What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 333rd episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your shiny pincer host, SBJ, and your shiny pincer co-host, Will, with me today. Your five shiny pincer co-host and a non-soy-eating co-host as well, which was very difficult when I went to the vegan restaurant for breakfast this morning. All I could have was a donut and a cinnamon roll. Wait, soy? Is soy bad for yeah. you? Uh, it's bad for me. I have I have an allergy to soy. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you can't drink Soylent, and I drink it like yeah. eight times a day. Exactly, and I cry because I really want to drink Soylent. No, you go to the vegan restaurant with your vegan friend, and they're like, oh, boy, I can have scrambled tempeh, which is like scrambled eggs, and this fake bacon stuff, and ooh, delicious... Hala French toast, and I'm looking at it, and that's I'm like, why is that all marked as it has soy in it? And then it's like, well, I could have this donut and pretend maybe, hopefully, it doesn't have soy or this cinnamon. Well, I had the donut <laughs> in the cinnamon roll, so there you go. <laughs> that food was so good, though. Twenty percent off Soylent promo code. I think it's just PKMNCast twenty. Anyways, well, yeah. I don't need uh, that to do that to my digestive system right now. Got that. <laughs> we got that partnership. Greg is also here. Yellow, I had a breakfast burrito at brunch today, and it was lovely. Like eggs? Eggs and carne asada and oh, cheeses, peppers and onions in a tortilla. It was very good. And so we go to this local place a lot. Uh, our little District oh, Taco? No, it's called Village Pub, and they have, like, a brunch. And their breakfast burrito is normally good, but they did something to their meat today that it was like, I cannot get enough of this burrito. Hmm. It was so good. Really digging that meat, huh? Yeah, I was really into that meat today. Wow. I mean, that's not that strange for most days. You're a big no. meat eater. I am. I like, I like it. I like my sources of protein <laughs> from animal flesh. Steve, have you ever had a breakfast burrito? Yeah. Have you had a breakfast taco? Yes. I almost got the breakfast tacos today, but I I I really like that burrito. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not good. I'm not huge on anything Mexican themed food wise. I mean, if I'm gonna have like a breakfast taco, it's probably just like eggs and bacon and cheese in a tortilla shell. Well, I mean, that's a breakfast taco. What are you yeah. looking for like, here? Like, okay, define Mexican Mexican type foods. Like, because uh, usually don't they put like uh, the taco sauce on it? No, well, no, 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 no. It's no. the spices. Like, so, the spices like, get to me. No, now if you go to a a good taco place, they leave the saucing up to you. Yeah, saucing. You sauce like, it yourself. This incredible restaurant by us, uh, Katrina's, which is the local better version of Chipotle. Love them. Everything's customizable. Was going to go there on Friday, and I was like, why is the line out the door? Oh, that's right. It's the Day of the Dead celebration. Heck yeah. And since they're... What do I want to say? Mascot? Like, it's not right, but, like, Katrina, like, it's got all the skulls and everything. Like, that's our whole aesthetic. They were way into it. Like, their Los whole Muertos. Restaurant... Yeah. Her, her theme is Los Muertos. The whole restaurant's decorated like that, which is kind of awesome. Their food is incredible. I really wanted some because I had that in my brain. And then I drove up there. I'm like, I am not waiting like an hour <laughs> in that line 
I will just go tomorrow, the day after the day of the dead. But y'all, I will take anybody to that Katrina's. It seriously, even your worst best. enemy, even my worst enemy, just to like watch them wither under my kindness of giving them <laughs> incredible food. Well, the point of this whole conversation, to bring it back to the reason for the season here, is when you guys come here for Pokemon Worlds in 2019. Oh, when is that? In 2019. Like what day? In Washington, D.C. We're going to District Taco for breakfast tacos. Mm. There's one by my house. We can go. We can chill, have a good time, have some breakfast tacos, Mm. and then play some Pokemon. Okay. We got an episode for you guys today, in theory. (laughs) Not with that attitude. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, We got, of course, some uh, Pokemon Go news, some Pokemon TCG news, and uh, some more distribution stuff, and then... The big thing this week is an article published on Pokemon.com titled Meet the Makers of Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, which has some interesting tidbits in it that will probably take up the majority of the conversation. But let's start with the lighter news, which is Lugia and Ho-Oh are now available at GameStop from November 2nd to November 25th. The majestic legendary Pokemon Lugia and Hogo complete the incredible run of legendary Pokemon distributions. Visit your visit a participating GameStop between November 2nd to 25th. You can receive a code that will get you Lugia in your Ultra Sun or Pokemon Sun game or Ho-Oh in your Ultra Moon or Pokemon Moon game. Lugia will be level 100 in Ultra Sun. Will no pressure have a gold bottle cap. We'll know Aero Blast, Earth Power, Psychic, and Tailwind. Ho-Oh in Ultra Moon will be level 100. No pressure. Have a golden bottle cap. No Sacred Fire, Brave Bird, Earthquake, and Tailwind. And a level 60s will have a regular bottle cap and no slightly different moves. But that's, that's, that's it. Nothing for December. That's, this is your last Pokemon. I'm getting real tired of these codes. I'm way behind in entering these codes. I I believe this is actually the last because they're advertising this as the end of the year of legendaries. Right. Womp womp. Like, I probably would like entering codes more if I wasn't software setting in two games to get the right nature. And I don't know why I even do that because I'll probably never use them, but that it's like a thing. If I'm going to get it, I should get the right nature. And it's it's. Back to our superstitions thing, like it will probably never get used, but yeah, at but least if somebody asks, I'll then have you'll it. look at your your Pokemon bank in five years, and you'll be like, oh, "I have two Mews, amazing!" And then you'll be like, "Ah, oh, they both have the same nature." <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone needs unique natures, it's Mew because it has the ability synchronize. If you're using Mew as your synchronizer, you're playing the game wrong. Nah, pretty nah, much. Nah, yeah, nah. breed Abra's. T- for days. And nah, you yep. gotta show Send off. The you gotta show off. Gotta show off my shiny who I, Abra. Who am I showing off to? You? I, yeah, that's true, I guess. You have I, not I'm been a... impressed by me in like three years. Yeah, make it four. Uh, when I when I do stream, I always 
has I have an Abra with False Swipe and Thunder Wave and whatever, and obviously it's synchronized to Jolly. Both of my synchronizers are Jolly for Mew, and every single time, at least if my that if that Mew comes out on that battlefield, I get at least two people in chat going, "How'd you get that Mew?" Yep. <laughs> How did you get that Mew? And also, well, you will, stream I... on a Mac? What? <laughs> I will also say, from my humble northeastern heritage, it's I find it ostentatious and almost offensive. Uh, ostentatious to the point of offensive that you do all of your shining hunting with shiny Pokemon. That's just crass. Use regular Pokemon, no, sir. No, 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 no. It's not crass. It's nouveau riche. I didn't spend, yes. you know, 12 hours getting a shiny... <laughs> I, I don't know. Pandora to not show it off. Doctor school, not to be called Doctor Shiny Hunter. You Thank are you very offensive much. to my Puritan ancestry. Uh, <laughs> go to go to GameStop. <laughs> you don't have a Puritan ancestry. Oh heck yeah! I'm I'm a I'm a Mayflower heritage Sh- person. Show me the ancestry dot com proof. Uh, we'll, we'll, when you're in D.C. for Pokemon Worlds, we'll go to the National Archives and look up my family tree, which is on record there, sir. Ooh. Gauntlet thrown. I have no idea. Go to We're... GameStop. Get your uh, <laughs> codes. <laughs> Move it on. <laughs> Be happy with... I don't want to go to GameStop anymore. <laughs> Um, I got a real snotty GameStop guy the last time I went in there because I was like, I already have Poiple codes. Can I get two of the Zero Aura? And he's like, don't tell anybody. But yeah, I'm like, A, who am I going to tell? B, you have a stack of both. You should have just turned around and screamed in the store, this guy has (laughs) Zero Aura. (laughs) I'm here the secret shopper. Busted. (laughs) Secret shopper. I am from Nintendo. I am the uncle that works at Nintendo. (laughs) Shut this GameStop down! (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) The Pokemon TCG is a thing. It is a thing. It's very exciting. Okay, Will, help me. People are trying to pull me into magic. They want to pull me down the magic hole. Come, come. I just spent $80 on magic cards yesterday, so please follow me down the merry path. No! Steve convinced me that I should do Pokemon instead because nobody around me plays it. Yeah, I mean, like, the most expensive Pokemon card, I think, is, like, 60 bucks, and they're about to put it into a tin, so it's a significantly cheaper game. I don't know what the most expensive magic card is, but I bet it's way more than $80. Oh, heck Yeah. Um, here's the story of the Pokemon TCG. As I was spending $80 on, uh, magic cards yesterday, uh, my friend Chris, who was visiting, bought one pack of Pokemon cards, and from that, he pulled a Prism Star Xerneas. Ooh, doesn't that sound exciting? It sounds pretty. Yeah. Yeah, well, we looked up the value today, and that's 37 cents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Well, Prism Stars aren't, like, that... Rare. They sound super special. They sound real great. I mean, there's like a full gold Charizard coming out, and I guarantee that card's going to be a hundred bucks. Charizard yeah. is the best. Not quite. No, I mean, I'm just saying that as a as a talking point. Uh, okay, so this is a press release sent in. Uh, Pokemon TCG Sun and Moon Lost Thunder out now. Plus, get the legendary Pokemon Lugia and Ho. We talked about that, but 
Starting today, this is November 2nd, the Pokemon trading card game fans will be able to grab the latest expansion, Sun and Moon Lost Thunder, available in booster packs, theme decks, and special collections. Using the new with the traditional Sun and Moon, oh, that's the most buzzword sentence ever, Sun and Moon <laughs> Lost Thunder, features Prism Star cards for Celebi and Ditto. Plus new Pokemon GX, including Blacephalon GX, Lugia GX, Tyranitar GX, and the newest mythical Pokemon, Zeraora GX. This expansion includes over 210 cards, 7 powerful Prism Star cards, including 3 Stadium cards, 13 Pokemon GXs, and including 4 Ultra Beasts. And more than 20 trainer cards. For more information, go to Pokemon.com slash TCG for some more stuff. But, um, yeah, it uh, it is a heck of a set. I think this is the biggest TCG set ever released in the United States. 210, probably, they say over 210 cards. I don't know the exact amount, but I bet it's like 211. It just says probably easier to say over 210 Okay, here's a dumb question. What's special about Prism Star? Are they just colorful or... Uh, you're only allowed one in a deck. Yeah, so normally where you can have four copies of a card name in your deck, a Prism, Prism Star, you can only have one copy of that card name. You can have multiple Prism Stars, but you can only have one of that particular card. Is it just because it's super powerful or like what? Well, obviously not if you're Xerneas. <laughs> Yeah, Prism Stars are usually pretty powerful. Um, some are, some are bad. I mean, like not every Prism Star is amazing. A lot of them are super situ- situational. I think like there's a Darkrai Prism Star that's pretty not great. I can't remember what the one that people I from what I've heard. I haven't played with most of the new Prism Stars. I heard the Lance Prism Star is very good, which I think is like think it lets you take two Dragon Pokemon from your deck and play them directly onto your bench. So for example, like you were playing Dragonite, you would usually need a Dratini, and then you'd have to wait a turn, and then the next turn you'd do Dragonair, and then you wait a turn, the next turn you do Dragonite. Or you do Dratini, next turn you play Rare Candy if you have it, and then you play Dragonite on top. Um, but I'm pretty sure the Lance Prism Star just lets you pick two Dragonites from your deck and just put them onto your bench without needing anything else. But you can only have one. I mean, with one in your deck, does it, I mean, is it even worth, like, would you ever find it? Like, it just seems like a heart of the cards moment. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, well, like, I don't know if Will can speak. I know there's different things in Magic, um, and I think the blue the blue deck in Magic is really good at, like, getting new cards, but for the most part, every deck in Pokemon is about, like, seeing as many new cards as possible every turn. Yes, yeah, just grind. Yeah, grinding through as many cards as you can, as quickly as you can. Yes, definitely. In a turn of Pokemon, if you're not doing something like shuffle your hand into your deck, draw new, six new cards, or draw five cards, or um, play, discard two cards to search in your deck for one card and use that one card to search for six more cards, if you're not doing that like every turn, you're probably losing. And yeah, that's why like the old uh, Professor Juniper and Professor Super Handsome guy uh, cards were very popular, like standards in every deck, because it was you play that card, discard your hand, and draw seven cards. And the thing was, you played as much from your hand as you could, so you obviously would then just have a handful of garbage and whatever professor. You play that professor, 
throw out the garbage, and then you get seven new cards, so you can keep on going. And that kind of a philosophy of like milling through your deck as quickly as you can is is really a, a good you know whatever a Pokemon way of going. Um, and then yeah, for the for the Prism Stars that are Pokemon, if there are ones that are really good. Then you're going to have Ultra Balls in your deck, which you, you know, you oh, play an Ultra Ball. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Ultra Ball, discard two, get the get any Pokemon you want from the deck. Interesting. Ultra Ball is still in format, right? Yep. Okay. Because they, I think they just did a, a Secret Rare, right? Ultra Ball, maybe? Uh, it's been around, but Mad... I, I know Pokemon po- TCG. Pokemon, uh, any, any card game is very expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest problem. It's very pricey. Although you could play the, the PTCGO. Which you always will have somebody to play with, and it's pretty easy to play a couple matches, get your coins, buy a booster pack, call it a day, because the the online version of the Pokemon TCG doesn't doesn't allow you to put money into it, so there's no way to give them mm. money. Now you could go on eBay and you could buy a bunch of digital codes, because when you buy a booster pack in the store, it comes with your eleven cards, and then it comes with a code for a digital booster pack. Uh, and sometimes, not sometimes, I mean, you literally just go to eBay or other various card online stores and you could buy like 50 booster codes for pretty cheap, usually like 25 bucks if it's like the newest set. So you're paying 50 cents a code or a digital booster pack and then you just redeem all of those on the online game. But the game itself doesn't let you give them actual money. So yeah, that's that's totally an option to do as well. Yeah, and I know two out of three Chris's do play PTCGO. Oh my so, goodness. There you go. <laughs> Some uh Pokemon Go news here is this was this came out when we were when I was away at TwitchCon, but um we had the episode. Seemed like people liked the episode even though it was a little bit shorter. This came out over it and it finally released recently. I think it released on November second for most people. Uh new adventure sync keeps track of all your journeys this is off pokemongolive.com just a friendly reminder that uh, Niantic does have their own website where they publish news <laughs> what exploring with Pokemon Go has never been easier with a new feature coming soon like I said this is rolled out now Adventure Sync can record your walking distance even when Pokemon Go isn't launched working in the background to tally your dif- di- distance earn candy and hatch eggs Plus, Adventure Sync will deliver a weekly summary where you can see your incubator candy progress and uh, as well as important activity statistics. Check your trainer profile to see the number of kilometers recorded each week. Uh, earn rewards each week for each milestone you cross and receive push notifications when your buddy has found a candy or when an egg is about to hatch. You can opt in at any time. This feature will connect both on Apple Health and Apple on Apple devices and Google Fit on Android devices. So let's get motivated. So let's get motivated and go. Stay safe and happy exploring. There you go. So yeah, if you if you don't know, a lot of apps on at least iOS. I can't speak for Android, but they said they mentioned Google Fit. But a lot of um, apps on iOS will use the Apple Health Kit. So Pokemon Go asks if it can have Apple Health Kit health kit access and by using the like built-in pedometer and the accelerometer accelerometer in the iphone it can uh, help you hatch eggs and uh, get candy bonuses which is pretty great you just gotta make sure you have all that stuff on when it asks 
here's the thing that mine asked me. It's like, oh, I have to have location services on the entire time. And I'm seeing if this okay, is going to kill my standard. battery. I'm seeing nah. if it's going to kill my battery. Nah, you'll be good. Mm. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, it, they they did the slow rollout. So initially, um, when it launched, it was only for people at level forty, and uh, of course, just like past rollouts, for example, the raid system, the friends list, people were freaking out. And then I believe about three four hours later, they rolled it out to people at level thirty five, and I believe as of yesterday, they rolled it out to people as of thirty. I don't think it's available for everyone yet as of this podcast, but I would imagine within a day or two it will be... What is raids? I think you have to be level f- level 5 and up. And then um, friends list, I think, level 5 and up as well. Yeah, I do remember. That sounds um, right. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll roll it out to everyone. It seems to work okay. Uh, it shows underneath your main character. For example, as of this recording, it says, for me, I've walked 27.3 kilometers, which is... There are three rewards that I can see, 5, 25, and 50. Um, and then it shows that I have one egg in the incubator, which is 1.4 out of 2. I hatched 19 eggs this week. I walked 17,000 steps. Five candies found. And I burned 413 calories playing Pokemon Go. Yep, and you get little prizes for, for hitting the marks, which was I was surprised because it actually gave me my prize before it told me that it had activated it. So, yeah, yeah, it gave me my prize too when I first unlocked. Like, here's a bunch of Pokeballs and stuff. I heard you can get like rare candy and stuff from this as well. How rare? The rarest of candy, the rare candy. So yeah, that's a really cool feature. Uh, I'm always very, very happy that Pokemon Go continues to change and evolve, and it is always like surprising. I think. I mean, I certainly had a really good time playing Pokemon Go yesterday, so I'm glad that it keeps evolving and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's do our, our two-minute community day check. You, you did Gengar in a week. It's going to be Cyndaquil Day. Yeah. It's a lot of Pokemon Go, but um, how was it good? Did you Was it fun? A shiny Pinsir is happening right now. By the time this podcast goes up, it won't be happening. Yeah, so I uh, yeah, I got the five shiny pinsir before we started community day or raid day. It wasn't community day. Does it count as community day? I call it a community day. But I met up with uh I mean Chris was with me because he was visiting, and then I met up with Hannah and Eric and James, the usual DC crew, and we went to the zoo where we usually go, and we actually ran into the same people we had run into on Moltres Day and he got one shiny Gengar out of the six or seven that we did. So <laughs> that was really disappointing. But fun to spend time with cool people. That's the important part. Greg, did you go out? Nope. No Gengar for you? No Gengar for me. So, I mean, one, I had a bunch of stuff that I had to get done. Two, it was cold. <laughs> Three, I, I'm at that exhaustion point with Pokemon Go right now, where it was like, Halloween event, get your Giratina, get this, make sure you check in, get this, sign up for this. And I was like, I a, don't really care about attempting to do raids with a bunch of mostly crabby people. I don't want to drive to Mall of America and deal with Mall of America on a Saturday right now. And I just don't care enough to do this. Like, I'm already like 
feeling like I'm locked into community day on Saturday, and like I just didn't want to give up another Saturday to community day after it felt like we just had one, and then you wanted me to do <laughs> Halloween stuff, but I'm like, you're encroaching in on the Animal Crossing line, like you're making it difficult for me to like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the secret is to do these things here in D.C. with our folks because we just have a lot of laughs and fun, and it's almost like not having to work at all. This was, I think, the first raid day where I didn't, not, I don't want to say gave up, but I threw in the towel after about an hour and 45 minutes. Just, there's just no place in Milwaukee, where there is a good situation to play that isn't outside, I think I, Greg Greg has the ability to be at Mall of America. As much as everyone hates Mall of America, there's how it's many garbage. gyms there? Like eight, eight, nine gyms there, and it's indoor. And usually for like community days, you don't need gyms, right? You just need the spawns, so it's not yeah. that big of a deal. Uh, but for like this raid day, as much as I, I, I do prefer to raid in a specific time period where other people are raiding, it does make it easy as long as you know where the said people are starting said raids. 40 degrees near the lakefront of Milwaukee. Going from Gengar to Gengar, did my normal path that I did for Moltres and Zapdos and Boy, it is you not the cold really gets to you real fast. Of just, I can't do this anymore. It's too cold. And I bundled up. I put um that Under Armour pants on, Under Armour shirt on, you know, wool socks. I I definitely bundled up, and I was comfortable in that situation. But after a while, you're just your hands are just no longer feeling. So I don't. I have no clue what's going to happen. Like, I'm sure there will be another raid community day come, you know, December or whatnot. And I know some listeners are probably going like, well, just drive from raid to raid. And it's like, I could do that, sure. But also, like, whatever, like, it's still unsafe, the driver to be playing Pokemon Go and driving, and I do not approve of that. I get it, you can pull over, but... Maybe you've never been to Milwaukee. Uh, there are some that you can pull over to. There are some that you can't. And also when it starts snowing, if you're in... I'm, I'm mostly talking to people that might be in Texas or California or Florida. Uh, when when it snows and they move it, 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 it goes somewhere. And that's usually in the area where you would pull over. And you can't pull over when there's a snowbank there. So I just don't think that that is a an alternative once that happens and i just to clarify pokemon go uh, not a fair game i'm at the disadvantage of uh being in a place that is not always 70 degrees california so yeah i mean it, it is what it is so i you know i might not be able to do these going forward you gotta get those gloves with the little knobs on them so that you can use your phone while you're wearing gloves or Get we'll get five people come to downtown Minneapolis and we'll just hit all the gins in downtown because it's all connected by Skyway and you can walk the entire way and there's like fifteen gyms all within walking indoors 
I just don't I have cannot, enough people. Yeah, I cannot understate how wonderful it is to just have a sufficient group of friends to be able to go to do all these raids without having to interact with any other human beings at all. And then when you run into the people who are trying to do the raids because there's only three of them and you saw them on Moltres Day, you can be kind and say, well, you can follow us, even though we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> you can ride our coattails, I guess. But if you get a shiny, you have to give it you to me. You have to give it to me. It's, oh, it's always in front of me now. All right. So what we'll do is we will tap the screen and take a break. When we get back, we have this uh, article of Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee off Pokemon.com that we will cover. So we will be right back. Hi, everyone. Did you know that it's super effective, this podcast you are listening to? I don't know why I sound like a robot right now is... (laughs) Supported by amazing listeners like you, and a couple of you even go a little bit further and you support via Patreon. So if you would like to join our Patreon and our Slack community and get access to an amazing community of people trading and talking and chatting, which is the same as talking but more casual, you can go over to patreon.com slash it's super effective is the name of this podcast or what's even easier is you can go to ise.cash because .caches was cool and it was like $2.99 for me to buy on GoDaddy so ise.cash way easier to remember but for $2 a month you can join our Slack community and hang out with other people that are there and for $5 a month you can get access to an exclusive podcast called Alola Vacation which I do with Irene. We talk about the anime, and there's like, I think, 20-ish episodes that you can listen to if you subscribe at the $5 a month level. On top of that, to celebrate the launch of Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, any new patron in the month of November who signs up for the $2 or more level, I will send you some heart ev stickers there'll be there'll be there will be a patreon post about it and there will be a twitter post about it if you want to see what they look like but they're a little it's a it's pretty much evie's tail and then it has a little heart because they changed the female evie to a heart and it looks real cool so for supporting us for two dollars a month this month the month of november the month of let's go pikachu let's go evie any new patron that signs up will get a sticker mailed their way it'll be really cool and i'll throw in probably some other goodies to celebrate you jumping on board because i know usually in these months we get a lot more listeners so really just a incentive and a little kick in the butt kick in the eevee butt maybe to uh get you to uh check out our patreon i know most of you are probably driving or running or washing the dishes and you probably don't have a computer in front of you so it's not as easy and then like in an hour you'll have to remember that oh ise.cash that's a thing and Steve was rambling about it earlier, and I kind of want an Eevee sticker so I could slap at my luggage. So then when the luggage falls out of the, the machine at the end and then goes around the conveyor belt, you can be like, that is my luggage with the heart Eevee because I listened to It's Super Effective and I gave them $2 a month. Keep doing what they're doing because this is what I do for a living. I make podcasts, and apparently I uh, give you EV stickers if you sign up for our Patreon. So hopefully you enjoy the rest of the episode, ISC.cash, and uh, enjoy Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee when it comes out. 
And we are back from our break. This interview is off Pokemon.com. Uh, November 1st, meet the makers of Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Game Freaks, Masuda, and I actually don't know how to say this name, Kensaku Nabana. Why not? Share their insight into development of the latest Pokemon games. I don't know. It says Pokemon.com is the question, question, question answer. I don't know who from Pokemon.com is asking this question, but we'll just go through some of these. Mr. Masuda, these are the first games you've directed for the Nintendo Switch. What opportunities afforded by the new hardware were you most intrigued by? Masuda says, quote, at first glance, it's a complicated piece of hardware. You can connect it to the television. You can take it out with you in handheld mode. There's a touch screen. You can take off the controllers. There are, gy- there are the gyro motion controls. And there are a lot of other elements. So in the face of those complications, the approach we took uh, was the way to look at things that we could simplify. Quote, we took the ideals of using a single controller to play the game to make it feel less complicated. And we've also opened the path to having this kind of local two-player multiplayer where you can share the controllers. Of course, from a technology perspective, there's an increased power of hardware, which really allowed us to have much better visuals than we've had before. The communication technology in the system is also very valuable. For example, we use Bluetooth to allow trainers to transfer Pokemon from Pokemon Go into Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, which is something we wouldn't be able to do without that technology. Behind the scene, it's a very, it's kind of a complicated setup but we always try to make it feel very simple for the player. You know, I was I find it interesting that I find the Switch to actually have less feature fewer features than the 3DS, right? There's no camera. I don't, I don't think there's a camera. Is there a nope. camera? No. Nope. No camera. There's no second screen. There's no pet, tracks your feet steps. Pedometer. Pedometer. <laughs> Pedometer. <laughs> So, like, all those, like, little unique little things that they used to do with Pokemon to take advantage of the system, it's like, uh, this one goes on the TV or in your hand. That's what we got for you, bud. Have a good time. I think this is a good time to also bring up that they confirmed that there are there there is no pro controller support. So, um, I know some people were really bummed about that. But yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Which so the, you either use the Pokeball Plus or a Joy-Con. Right. The like reasoning from what I've heard is because they want you to use like the motion stuff, but the Pro controller has motion built in. Like I used it for Zelda with the motion puzzles. It just seems like a weird like it just seems silly. So that's like I when I use the Joy-Cons to do two-player games and stuff, that's really hard for me because they're they're too small. I, I guess hopefully the Pokeball Plus will be big enough, but they're just too small for my hands. I've got big hands. Can confirm. Wait, you can confirm that they're too small. Or you can confirm that I have big hands. I can now confirm I'm that you have big hands. I've oh, seen your okay. hands. You have big hands. That's true. I I guess I'm not. I've never really used a Pro controller, so it's like uh, it's. It doesn't affect me, but also it seems like, did you forget it exists when you're making the game? Is that why it's not supported? Or like, did you really just want to push people towards the ball? I think it annoys me in the sense of like for a first party game to not include something. And also like, 
that controller's not cheap. It's like 70 bucks. Oh, no, bucks. it's not. Yeah, it is. So, like, I went, like, people, including myself, went out of their way to spend $70 on an optional first-party controller. Obviously, you could use two Joy-Cons together, but Nintendo made a controller with NFC built-in, with rumble built-in, with motion control built-in, yet a first-party game doesn't support it. It just seems, whether this was like a Mario or a Zelda, it just seems very disrespectful, I think, to the people who purchased your official, optional, very expensive controller that they were planning on using with your games going forward well i mean it's probably because because of the throwing right they want you to have a throwing motion and kind of in the thought that if you're not doing the throwing motion that's a lesser version of the game that's like here we go this is one of the features the few features of the switch that they're taking advantage of that the joy cons you know have the motion control built into them and you you can't do that if you're holding the pro controller with two hands. So that's, they consider that a detracting from what you actually want from the game. Yeah, I can see that. I just sort of hate the mindset that sometimes goes into the philosophy of these, like, well, we want you to have this experience. And so we're going to put up barriers uh, for you to have the experience that you want, because we think it'd be better this way. That just sort of generally annoys me, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know that how this gameplay is going to work. That the pro controller would detract from that or enhance it in in either way. I don't have one, so you don't have a pro control. Oh no, you don't have your own switch yet, do you? I have a switch. Why? How are you playing without a pro controller? With the Joy Cons. Oh, you're living in the dark ages, bud. Get yourself a pro controller. Yeah, but it's not going to work with the game that I bought the switch for. Now, is it? Save myself eighty bucks. I mean, you could be playing Monster Hunter. Well, I could be doing a lot of things with Monster Hunter that I'm not doing. Could be playing Magic the Gathering. I could. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. I mean, for the most part, I was going to play through the entire game with the Pokeball and probably have a good time with it. It's just in instances where I just wanted to run in a circle and press A, it'd be nice to have both my hands on a single controller. Yeah, shiny hunting's going to be real painful. I'm going to get some carpal tunnel on that Pokeball Plus. Pokemon.com asks, The world of Pokemon feels more active than ever in these games, giving it a sense of living, breathing place. Was that a priority during development? And if so, why did you feel that was important? These questions feel, feel very choreographed. No. Masuda's response, No, we were looking for a desert world of death and despair, and we absolutely failed. Nailed Masuda it. Quote, because you don't battle wild Pokemon in these games, we wanted to come up with ways to encourage people to run in and go find Pokemon they want to encounter. Having the Pokemon appear in the world lets the players see the ones they want to catch and encourages them to do so, but it also makes the world feel, like you said, more alive and richer as a result. Pokemon.com, a lot of personality shines through the way each Pokemon moves and acts. Were there any Pokemon that proved especially challenging in that regards? And do any Pokemon stand out to you as favorites in the way they animate? Masuda, there are two parts to how we gave Pokemon movement and a lot of actions, uh, and, and actions a lot of personality. There are, of course, the animations that each Pokemon has, but there are also the patterns in which they move. 
That was something I came up with near the end of last year. I developed a basic set of rules for how all Pokemon should move, such as how many steps they should take before they stop and let out a cry or what behavior pattern uh, is for when they move again. Once I handed the set of rules over to the programmers, they added their takes on how uh, the individual Pokemon would move for an extra layer of personality. One of the things that was very memorable to me was watching one of our movement programmers. He was referring to a video of rabbits walking around, and then he created the movement for Nidoran. Rabbit confirmed. Which ended up influencing, influencing how the Pokemon moves. I really liked, I really ended up liking Nidoran's final animation. So there you go. Watch when you see a wild Nidoran. Watch it move. So is that for Nidoran boy sign or Nidoran lady symbol? It's all Nidoran. All Nidoran. Okay. I, I if if you haven't seen um that kind of footage yet, uh, it is a really cool part of Let's Go, of seeing like. Jigglypuff float into the air and that's how it kind of gets away from you or seeing Abra teleport or seeing Pidgeys or jump like a frog. Yeah, like that is one of the coolest parts and personally I hope that that is something that stays for future games of seeing Pokemon in the world moving and interacting and being Pokemon. (laughs) I mean, I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. Like, I've wanted Pokemon to appear in the overworld ever since I saw it in Ranger and thought this was such a better way of doing this. So I'm excited for that to be a part of this game so that I can see, oh, hey, I want to go over there and catch that, or I want to go over there and catch that. I'm still a bit sort of, ugh, how many do I have to catch to power up since I can't battle do wild battles? I'm still a little concerned about how that whole process is going to work because i don't find the catching mechanics that great or that much fun so we'll see how it actually plays out pokemon.com there are a lot there's a lot of focus on the two main pokemon in these games they're featured on the cover they boast unique moves and players have new ways to interact is this bond between trainers and first pokemon something you've always wanted to emphasize more Masuda, quote, it was definitely something we aimed for in these games to really increase that ability to form a bond with your partner Pokemon even more than you have been able to do in the past. Not only can the trainer do things to feel that they're getting closer to their Pokemon, but the Pikachu and Eevee partner Pokemon in the games do things that make them feel closer to the trainer. It's kind of a back and forth relationship. Yeah, so one of my coworkers who hasn't played Pokemon since like Pokemon Yellow was asking me, you know, whether it's going to be like Pokemon Yellow. And I told her, yes, that, you know, that it's pretty much the similar story and everything. And then I was thinking about how in Pokemon Yellow, you could look at the Pikachu that was following you and it would make like faces about how happy it was and everything. So I'm happy for that. Pokemon.com, with this this being the return to Kanto region and the events of Pokemon Yellow's special Pikachu edition, how do you strike the right balance between f- familiarity and newness? How do you decide on the details to change and which to keep the same? Masuda, quote, Our approach to development of these games uh, was to appeal to a broad audience. One of, the biggest, uh, one of the big reasons for that is there are a lot of young players who may maybe didn't have their own smartphones or couldn't join in on Pokemon Go Boom. 
Because of this, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee might be their first time playing a Pokemon video game. So I wanted to use Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition as a base to introduce the original 151 Pokemon to them to have the experience of catching and training Pokemon, which are core gameplay elements to the Pokemon series. Now, there have been a lot of features we added in later Pokemon games, such as eggs, abilities, held items that didn't exist at the time of Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition. However, we want kids today to experience something similar to what kids enjoyed 20 years ago. Of course, there are specific aspects, such as link battling and trading, where we updated the feel of something more appropriate to modern tastes. Also, mega evolution and motion control and <laughs> everything else that is different, but that's fine. I get it. I, I totally get where he's coming from, though. Not necessarily I agree with it, but I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm feeling a little bit of Kanto exhaustion. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm still going to play the heck out of these games. And you, you don't know. You may start in and you're like, I am Kanto revitalized it could because be. of how wonderful this is. I mean, it very like, I mean, I usually am sucked right into Pokemon games, even though I'm feeling exhaustion right now. Pokemon.com, what are the challenges of bringing these classic environments to a 3D dimensional world for the first time? Which locales do you think will look especially good or interesting in this new visual style? This is actually not from Masuda, this is from Kensaku. Uh, quote, one of the most difficult aspects of updating the environments and maps for new hardware and graphic styles is that we wanted to keep the nostalgic. We wanted to keep it nostalgic for old fans of the original while making it look while making it something that looked inviting and appealing for young kids. It should always be clear where you can go, where you can't go, where Pokemon would appear and when they're, where they wouldn't. I think there's a lot of simplicity in the older pixel graphics, which made things obvious to the player. The graphics helped communicate things to the player. So you'll see quite a few things uh, that we left mostly unchanged. We've updated the way you can move around, but we made it very clear where you can go and where you can't go and where you can and cannot find Pokemon. In terms of locale, I think uh, the look, especially good or interesting, one of the things we did this time around was go back and update all the towns. We redesigned them pretty much giving all the towns their own personality. I think players will have a lot of fun discovering how the locations have changed. Pokemon.com, Mr. Masuda, you have previ previously directed another pair of games in the Kanto region, Fire Red and Leaf Green. On the Game Boy Advance, what lessons did you learn from that experience that you were able to bring to these games, and what different goals did you have in mind for Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee? Masuda, quote, The base concept behind Fire Red and Leaf Green was very different from what we were going for with Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Back then, we were primarily focused to create games that could connect with Ruby and Sapphire, which were the only other titles available on the Game Boy Advance. This time around, we're defining what the modern living room Pokemon RPG experience might be when you play a home console on the big screen. We are starting from a very different place, and, a as, an, and as a result, I think you will see a, the direction is quite different. At the same time, probably because of the popularity of the Pokemon series, I think that most Pokemon fans prefer the less scary, kind of cute, and more inviting look that the animated series provides. So the feel of the world changed to a little less scary and the Pokemon started to look less monster-like and more the impression that people get from Pokemon today. We're taking those ideals and continuing to implement them in these new games. Sorry, I kind of butchered that last paragraph, but I think that's one of the more interesting quotes. 
Yeah, so basically they're, they've decided that market research says that people like cute Pokemon versus scary Pokemon, so we're going in the direction of cute. Yep. Okay. Can't say I agree with that, but I'm still okay with it. I think all Pokemon are pretty cute. Even like something yeah. like Trubbish or Morlul. You're like... going to look Zekrom in the eye and say, oh, hey, you're cute. I think the Zekrom Pokemon shuffle icon is very cute. I agree. What about Ultra Necrozma? There's nothing cute about Ultra Necrozma. My cuddle buddy? Sure it is. That's, yeah, I mean, you're right. That's true. Like, I would probably say there's nothing cute about Incineroar, but that doesn't negate the popularity of Incineroar. Yeah, it's showing up in Smash Brothers or whatever. But I, w- mm. I would assume that cute Pokemon are, like, there's a place for both, but I think, like, if you focus on the cute, that probably sells more. Yeah, you can sell more cute, uh, snuggly uh, Alolan Vulpixes in little blue hoods than you can of Giratina Distortion World form. <laughs> Plush. I want to snuggle up with a Giratina. It just kind of looks like a centipede with wings. Yeah, it's not great. Going back to the Ruby and Sapphire comment of Fire Red Leaf Green, we've gotten in this mindset of, when are they going to remake this? When are they going to remake this? When are they going to remake this? Where's our Gen 4 remakes? When, when is our Black and White remakes? When are they, why are they remaking Kanto again? I think it's important to keep in mind, especially with this comment, it kind of reinforces it, but the main reason, and I think a lot of people forget this, the main reason Fire Red and Leaf Green were re- were made to begin with was because Red and Blue did not have compatibility with Ruby and Sapphire. So all of those Pokemon were, well, not all, but most of those Pokemon were unable to connect. I mean, it was very disheartening as a kid to move your Pokemon from Blue and red and yellow to gold, silver, crystal, and then have these new Pokemon games come out and kind of have to have to start over again. And so that's what kind of kicked off like, well, we need to remake these games to have people, you know, re-experience that and start linking and trading once again. That's why I don't think personally they were ever in a rush to remake Diamond and Pearl since Diamond and Pearl has always worked. Like, ever since the DS suits worked on the DSi, the DSi XL, the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the 2DS, like, you've always been able to play Diamond and Pearl and link those games to Pokemon Bank. Yep. No comment. I mean, I, I imagine we're getting a Diamond and Pearl remake for the Switch. Like, most likely the 2019 games will, will not have in their core Pokedex a lot of the ones that you can find in Diamond and Pearl, and then they can release remakes of Diamond and Pearl to allow you to catch those in a native Switch program. Just kind of like how they did that for X and Y, so then Oris filled in a lot of the Gen 3s that you couldn't get. Like, I'm imagining we'll see those remakes, but my prediction is that the 2019 game will not have many of the Gen 4 exclusive Pokemon in it, so they can remake it and have it work. And Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, that was a remake of a Game Boy game, and so the 3DS could play every Pokemon game but the Generation 3 ones. So that kind of made sense in remake aspect. Yeah. 
Pokemon.com, it's been five years since you've last served at the, as the director of Pokemon X and Pokemon Y. Why were these the right games for you to return to this, to that role? Um, I was the one that worked on the base concept documents for Pokemon Go and even the original concept. I like the idea of having new Pokemon, a new Pokemon through the mobile game. And I wanted to realize that goal by creating games that could connect with Pokemon Go. And I feel somewhat similar to it without feeling like we're copying it. Given my involvement in Pokemon Go's development, I felt like I was the probably the best person to direct these games. It was also interesting working with the Nintendo Switch. There's a lot of technology packed in the hardware that we were trying to discover at Game Freak. For example, developing the Pokeball Plus and working with the Bluetooth to facilitate the connection with Pokemon Go were both very interesting things that I had the chance to work on as the director this time. But at the same time, I think it's important to have a younger generation at Game Freak take over the development of the Pokemon as a series. I do, be I do believe that this will probably be, in terms of main Pokemon RPGs, the last time I work as the director. Um, so I think this is the biggest quote from, or the biggest point from this article. Masuda directed Fire Red Leaf Green, directed X and Y, directed a bunch of other Pokemon games. Now is directing this and says that they feel this is the last time they're going to be directing a Pokemon game. It is the end of Pokemon as we know it. Once Masuda is, Masuda is gone, no more Pokemon. Yep. Uh, just for reference, uh, Masuda was the producer and the composer for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Um, the producer for Sun and Moon. Producer for Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Director for Black and White. Not the just producer for Black and White 2, director for Diamond and Pearl, director for both Ruby, Sapphire, and Fire Red and Leaf Green, um, which was the first time they were the director, was Ruby, uh, Ruby and Sapphire. I, I think it's like just reading comments on the internet. I saw a lot of like, good, I'm glad he's no longer directing new Pokemon games, which is always like a weird thing to me. So it's kind of rude. It's like rude, but also like. I would uh, I would argue that all those people were prob probably demanding a Gen 4 remake. <laughs> um, Possibly, I'm sure yes. a lot of those people really liked Black and White. Um, Wait, excuse? <laughs> oh, Gauntlet Throne, Gauntlet Throne. Sure, we, we know that there's a very vocal Ruby Sapphire community out there. Uh, X and Y, very well received. So it's a weird for, like... It just, it's so funny, and also, I think just, when I see those comments, I'm like, you know what? You're the type of person I don't want to have a conversation with, but, like, <laughs> possibly making one game that you might not be into, and, like, also a game that you probably haven't played, and your response to this is good. If anything, the reason Pokemon is where it is at now is be single-handedly because of Masuda. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't step down, but it's just a very weird thing to say, especially for games that most people have not even had the chance to put more than five minutes into. I mean, like, I think on one hand, it's like, it's always good to get new eyes and new fresh takes. So on that level, I'm like, you know, yeah, it, it's good-ish that you know, 
we're going to get somebody who has fresh ideas on it. I, I'm not a fan of the sort of idea that good, he had these games are the worst things that ever happened and he should go because of them. Like, I don't think that's supported by what we know yet, but I agree. Like, you know, you, we, we've had Pokemon the same for a long time and it's probably good to get a, a fresh perspective on things. But I I hope people aren't saying, good, I'm glad he's gone, because these are obviously terrible, because we don't know that yet. And he has made some very solid Pokemon games. Also, to the people saying, like, good, I'm glad he's gone, could they even speak to who directed and produced Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Like, yeah, I bet they can't. No. Like no. if 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 they didn't know any better, I guarantee those people probably thought Masuda directed those games. And I'll also tell you this: once Masuda is completely out of the picture, the Pokemon games are going to take a sharp turn. I can't tell you what direction they're going to take th that turn is going to be, but they're going to take a sharp turn. And all the people who are like, "I just want the same thing over and over again in a different place with you know fill in the blank creatures over and over and over again." They're going to be real unhappy. The director of Sun and Moon uh, was a Shiguru Om Omori. I apologize for names. Uh, I, no, I think it's Sh 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 Shigeru Magala is no. how that's pronounced. It's O H. As opposed to Gore Magala. Oh, I see. I, I get the joke. <laughs> um, you get jokes. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was the director for Sun and Moon. Um he was also the director for Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Uh, he was uh, he worked on Black and White, Black and White Two as like designers for stuff. He worked on Heart Gold Soul Silver. He actually um, did the Pokewalker game design there. His first Pokemon game was Ruby Sapphire. Was game designer there, map designer. Yeah, so he he's been around. He was the producer for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, but yeah, he was the director for Sun and Moon and the. Sorry, the director for Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. And honestly, I don't think anyone would have been able to really tell the difference between X and Y and Omega Ruby Alpha. Like, I, d I don't think people would have been like, oh, I'm so glad Masuda didn't work on Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. It was so such a better game than X and Y. I don't think anyone would ever say that unless they're just biased to the Hoenn region. Hoenn is great. It's better than X and Y. But mechanics-wise, I mean, those games are ultimately the same besides, you know, Dexnav and Radar and stuff. But I doubt that was, like, directly, like, Masuda being like, we need Radar back. <laughs> and then um, for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, we have uh, Katsuma Iowa. I I oh, I I can't. I'm so bad with Japanese names. I apologize. Wow. I-W-A-O. Iwao. Yeah. You wow, yeah. He was the the director for Sun and Moon, um, in or Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. My apologies. He uh was the game system design director, uh, and field design director for Sun and Moon. He uh did the uh, contest design system and the game battle design system in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. He worked on the map design for X and Y. So if you really hated the map, there's your uh, person to blame. No one like Lumio City. Uh, he worked on Black Incorrect. and White. Correct. <laughs> and he was the um, subway parameter design person in the Black and White 
I mean, all these people oh, have the also done. Subway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, these people have done more than things. I was just picking out things that seemed unique. But yeah, there you go. So the last two games did have different directors than Masuda. But I mean, like, I, I would argue that I would rather take. I don't, I don't think that the new catching slash wild Pokemon mechanic is probably the best direction, but I would take a fresh new direction over the same thing we've had for 22 years. Yes, agreed. Try new things. Evolve. Move beyond. And That's I can't catchphrase. Was there anything that Ultra Sun Ultra Moon really stood out of like trying new things? Z moves. No, that was Sun and Moon. <laughs> oh, um. So that the reason I bring up Ultra Sun Ultra Moon because that was a new director. So I'm trying to think of like, was there anything really different from between Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon to Sun and Moon motion, that really motion s- control ride on a Pokemon Sky battle thing? Oh, wormhole. Wormholes. That was yeah. bad. I mean, the motion control was bad. The wormholes itself was fine. I I still don't understand why Ultra Sun Ultra Moon exists. So don't ask me. I mean, I get why Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon exists. Like because they need to make money. Well, one. I mean, I don't think Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon work as well if there wasn't a Sun and Moon. Um, I think I I've always feel like. Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, uh, filled in the holes where they didn't necessarily have time when they were made Sun and Moon, and then they had a chance to sort of retell the story a little bit different and change the family dynamic a little bit more, um, make Lusamine not an absolutely terrible character, but a mostly terrible character. Like, there's a lot that happened in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon that I think did a lot for the story that helped... Uh, make the whole experience a little bit better and made me look back at Sun and Moon and like what happened in Sun and Moon a little bit more. Like, there's definitely a reason that that exists, and I'm glad it exists, but it's one of the few instances where I look at a game and think Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon would be worse if it was a standalone game and wasn't basically a sequel to an existing game. Reimagine. If that makes sense. Yeah. Both Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon have flaws, but for different reasons. But all the games have flaws. Yeah. Well, except for Black and White. That mm-hmm. game is perfect. Heart always knows what's right. Yep. I got one more thing about uh, what they think is the, uh, you know, going forward with Pokemon stuff. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do that last part. Question of the week and then Pokemon of the week. So we will be right back. And we are back. Let's do this last part of this interview off Pokemon.com. Pokemon.com says, what are your hopes for Pokemon players to get out of these games? How about long-time fans? Masuda, 
Kind of the same for both audience, really, but it's the first time that a Pokemon RPG is going to be in the living room on a modern home console. That's really the focus on how we approach development. I think seeing Pokemon in HD visuals on the big screen TV is going to be a lot of fun for traditional fans as well as new players. The other big thing in these games, obviously, is pretending to throw a Pokeball to catch a Pokemon uh, using either the Pokemon, the Pokeball Plus, or the Joy-Con. It's similar to the Pokemon Go catching uh, style of catching, but we've evolved it to be a little bit more immersive of, of an experience. It lets you feel like your trainer really is catching Pokemon in these games. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for all players. My hope is everyone will enjoy it, not just by themselves, but also for their friends, family, joining in on the two-player gameplay. Nabana says, uh, quote, As a fan of the original Pokemon RPGs, I want first-time players to get to know the setting of the world of Pokemon and what it's like to be a Pokemon trainer. I want them to go out, catch, train, and battle Pokemon to enjoy all the different elements of the Pokemon RPG. For long-time fans like myself, there's an obvious goal of completing the Pokedex. This time, the way you catch the original 151 Pokemon is very different than how it was in the past. I think it'll be quite the challenge. The experience also feels very fresh because of the technique of catching Pokemon is different in these games. Other than that, we have some interesting uh, content for longtime fans who are more interested in battling. After you finish the main story, there are master trainers that exist throughout the Kanto region. There's one for each different species of Pokemon, and there is a master of that, and each is a master of that Pokemon. It's why they call themselves. Uh, they raise their Pokemon to be extremely strong, and you can go out and challenge them. For example, if you find the Charmander Master Trainer, um, you can challenge that trainer with a Charmander of your own. To defeat the Charmander Master, you'll need deep knowledge of that Pokemon battle system and how it works. And you also need a strong Pokemon. If you do manage to defeat them, you can claim the title of Charmander Master for yourself. Then you can travel throughout the Kanto region to collect all the different Master Trainer titles. So what we have for returning players is that one thing... That you'll do one time and I, otherwise I mean, like, enjoy I the Jimmy Neutron. I mean, if you look at returning trainers, how many people go through Pokemon games now and don't really catch anything because they already have like a living deck. So they already have a Jigglypuff in another game. They don't want a Jigglypuff this time. Like, I think there is a, a balance that Pokemon has to strike to make you want to catch Pokemon. Hmm. I mean, I usually catch everything, but that's just my very slow way of playing every single Pokemon game. I catch a lot, but yeah, I mean, I'll skip certain things if I don't think I want them right now, or I don't want to train them right now, or I, well, that, I use mean, them that's too the right much now, on my team. But I like my, I, what, the way I like to play is I don't connect the game to Pokemon Bank until after I have completed the regional decks. So even if it's like repeats of things I already have, I want to have that challenge of doing the regional decks in game before connecting to Pokemon Bank and saying, well, well, I already had everything anyways. Good times. If we could connect to Pokemon Bank, dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Gauntlet twist. <laughs> I like uh, Nabana's answer a lot more than Masuda's. I always feel like Masuda's answers come off very generic evasive i mean i don't know they still seem very generic and evasive even when like the people at pokemon.com are setting up for like getting like they want specific answers right it's like this is what we want you to talk about because ideally i think the person 
a person reading this, I think this is just like a a promotional thing, right? Like the reason you do an interview like this is to get people excited or more importantly to get game outlets or other news presses news media to like look at this and then pull from it and then rewrite their own article, right? Like the one that the thing that got pulled the most from this article from this interview is the Masuda will probably not direct any more Pokemon games. Like so ideally you set up questions that you know that you can get answers for and then you get good answers and I that should hopefully convince you to buy the game, right? Um I don't know why this would serve any other purpose but that. So like Masuda's answers always just seem so like I said generic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean I I think Masuda's answers come from his position in relation to the games. I think all of his answers come from the things that he feel are a big risk or a big change. And I don't think when I read them, I'm thinking like, if I look at the two, like Masuda is very much, I put these things and I hope that the choices that I made are well received. Like, I really hope that they like the Pokeball plus. I really hope that they like those movements. Cause I think in his mindset, those are the things that probably worry him as the person in control of these games. And they may not necessarily speak directly to what the fans worry about. But I don't think I don't think his are any less passionate or evasive. I think his show a very different relationship than any of us really have with the games. And I think if I would say anything, it's hard for him to get to step out of his role and into the shoes of us the consumer. Um, but I don't find his stuff like super evasive. I think his stuff just reflect that he sees bigger potentials for failure in things that we are sort of just writing off as the way it is. Yeah, I guess it's hard for us to relate to that though. Right. We didn't make the games. Like I, my career isn't <laughs> banking on this. It's not my final game system. It's not the thing I'm going out on. It's not mm, the true. decisions that I've made. Like for him, like, you know, the saying you're only good is the last thing you made. So if people hate it, then he may go, you know, his illustrious career may be, yeah, but the last thing he made was total garbo. And that's how he will forever be remembered. And I think that probably is on his mind. Like he did in this article state, I'm not making any more. And this is the last one. And so I think that's a very different mindset to look at these games. And I don't blame him for it. I think it's interesting that he worries about very different things than we as players who are going to continue to consume these games. For us, this is just yet another game in a, in a series that we plan to play forever. For him, this is the last one he gets to direct. This is his last quote-unquote child of he a game. He might do another one in the future. He, he might, didn't say but, last ever. But, yeah, but, I mean, he's not going to live forever. He may move what? on for other things too. Like, I mean, I think it's just a very different mindset. How old is he, anyways? Like forty-seven. Uh, I don't know if he's that young. I will say that I, I, I do think the master trainer stuff is. Um, he's fifty. I do think the uh, master trainer That's stuff like forty-seven technically is <laughs> is he's really retirement age too compelling. And I think it does 
fill that void that competitive people might want. I mean, minus abilities, minus hell items, but... I mean, I think for long-time com- competitive battlers, I think there is a unique situation where so much of current battling is right natures, right items, and, you know, you have to have this, and you have to, like, you have to have a choice band, and that otherwise it's not great. I think for somebody who dabbles in competitive battling, this is an interesting challenge. I can't rely on Intimidate to lower their uh, attack. I don't have an item that boosts mine. So how do I work with a very base system to defeat difficult trainers? And I think that is an exciting aspect for people who really love battling that I think they're writing off. I think... If anything, we've seen that they have been trying to figure out how to deal with the item problem for a while. Like Z-Crystals, Megastones, get rid of those life orbs, get rid of those choice bands that dominate, get rid of the focus ash that absolutely dominate You know every moveset you see on competitive battling sites. So this is a huge step towards, if we strip all of that away, the things that people sort of rely on to make XYZ Pokemon so much better... How can you can you do it on a base system? And I think that's I think people should embrace that challenge more. It's an interesting puzzle. I think it's certainly especially for things like how are you going to make a better than average metapod to become a metapod trainer? Like how are you going to get those masteries? And I think that's I think that's something that people who are worried about the battle system or who are very, very in favor of battling and battling in the games should maybe look at more and get more excited. Competitive battlers rush through the games now as it is to get to the end. So this is very much like, okay, you rush through the games to get to the end. Now here's, here is a puzzle challenge for you. Can you figure out how to do all these things? And I think that that is something that people should consider. How dare. Uh Uh-oh. They remove my hell items and abilities for one game in a game where there are only three ghost Pokemon and they're all ghost poison and they're all weak to psychic. It's silly. I mean, I don't, I, I, we've said, I've said this before. I don't mind that they, I, I am excited for this puzzle as somebody who's not super, super competitive. I agree a hundred percent with what Greg said. I think it's like a super interesting puzzle and it's hard to take people who are, so into battling seriously about that complaint of like I can't believe they got rid of held items and abilities for one game in a game where the, in a game where like just there's just a range of not good type coverage like there yeah. are only three ghost Pokemon there are only th- three dragon Pokemon yeah that sounds about right and if you're actually sincerely curious like competitive about battling then there is one ghost pokemon if you're actually serious about battling there is one dragon type pokemon Mm -hmm, and that's it mm -hmm. yeah so like to be to throw your hands up in the air and say they've ruined competitive it's like no gen one is bad (laughs) well gen bun was very unbalanced but also i find it interesting like i always think of like what data are they going to get out of this as well and i think this is a great time for them to look at all of the moves that exist and say what can be buffed 
what can be changed, what can fill a slot, what when we're making new moves for the 2019 game, we will have a slew of data of Pokemon who didn't have held items to boost that power, who didn't have an ability to boost that power. Just how do those match up? And it's a slew of great data just on a game company site that will, I hope, be used to make a more balanced, more leveled, more interesting playing field going forward. Because it's hard for them to get move data when those moves are affected by items and abilities. Like, there's a lot of extra factors. So if you can take those out, you can get a more pure data set to improve what types of moves you're going to make going forward. And I think that's also an interesting thing, and I hope people really use it so that we also get a feel for what's better moves, so that we also sort of get a much better feel for how the battle system works and can help make improvements for the competitive field going forward. All right, so we are going to do our question of the week. We, I don't think we have, we have a song for this yet. Greg? All right, this is the question of the week. This week's question of the week brought to you by the Addict channel in Slack. This one is from uh, Scyther Sensei. Don't, I'm trying to make sure we, we do everyone once. I don't want to pick the same person. Although I appreciate all the questions every week we get. When I forget to post, I need your questions. But Scyther writes in and says, What real world creature, what's a real world creature which you think should be a Pokemon by now? Uh, Flamingo? Do we have a Flamingo? I don't mm, think we do. That's a good call. There's not even a heron. No. And that's funny is I was at the uh, Botanic Garden today, the National Botanic Garden, and looking at all the plants, and I'm like, they have not run out of options for Pokemon because <laughs> no, there's some but... freaky plants out here in this place. Um, like, I would have seen a flamingo. not a flamingo? No. No, nah, it's a uh, Black Plague death mask. Well, physician's mask. Yeah. Uh, I don't. That's tough. Like we don't have um, a good. You know, like we don't like really have a dolphin Pokemon either. Yeah, like that's Gorbis true. is close, but not really. No, that's not quite it. Yeah, uh, a squirrel, like a squirrel, squirrel. Patrice with a little bushy tail. Do you think that counts as a squirrel? Yeah, yeah. that's squirrely. Well, and Amolga's a flying squirrel. Well, then again, Squirtle's a squirrel. I'm Squirtle sorry. Squirtle is I take a squirrel. Oh, my God. Squirtle. I mean, Squirtle, a squirrel has a squirrel tail, does it, it not? Have a squirrel. It does not have a squirrel tail. It's a squirrel and it squirts. That's where oh, it gets the name, God. Squirtle. And it's a turtle. Did you, you know, know that Squirtle is a turtle as well? Uh, I did know. It's not a squirrel, though. I'm looking out my window right now at the fall foliage, and this is, I mean, yeah, it's just like... It's it's kind of like saying like think of anything except for the five things that are that are in front of you and then you're like I can only think of the five things that are in front of me now thanks for that. What do you um, think, Steve? What do you want? What do you want to see? I mean, like the the thing that people always say is the the dolphin. Yeah, I was gonna say a hyena, but I think Puchiena is that Puchiena. Yeah. Except it's, I don't know, it's, hyenas, don't they have spots? Some I, do. Who knows? I, I have no idea what a hyena looks like. Did you what not about? watch The Lion King, uh, <laughs> Will? Jeez. When did The Lion King come out? I don't know. 
Well, I watched it one time when it came out, and that was the one time I watched it. Do we have a peacock Pokemon? Not really. Mm, no, that would be cool. That could even be like a legendary, I think. I think, yeah. And before anyone says ho ho is a phoenix, not a peacock. Yeah. What about like a worm? I mean, there's a Do million we worm? worms. We have Wurmple, Caterpie. Well, no, those are caterpillars. Those aren't worm worms. Like, I mean, like an earthworm. Oh, no okay. No okay. eyes. I mean, ugh, worms are kind of gross. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I was going to say centipede, but I guess we have Garatina, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like. Oh, Scolipede as well. Like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of breeds of dogs that we don't have. Like, we don't have, like, the hound type very much, like greyhounds. Like, Houndour and Houndoom are much more of the Rottweiler side, not like mm-hmm. the long, fast runner types. Um, we don't have, like, Bulldog Pug types. Like, we don't well, have. No, 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 no. We well, got we Grand have, Bull. We have Grand Bull. I forgot about Gramble because Gramble's kind of garbo. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. there's like a lot of different cat breeds that we haven't touched on, but like there's not a lot of wide variety in cats, but there's some. I mean, we got the tiger covered in Ryko. We all know that the great dog Ryko, the great uh, saber tooth tiger, the great uh, saber dog Ryko. Love ah, that yes. ancient dog. I remember going through fourth grade learning about the saber-toothed dogs. Yep. <laughs> that used That's to run the Milwaukee world. Milwaukee public education for you. What about, um, like, something that's an insect, but more in line with its actual insect nature than just as, like, here's another animal, it happens to be an insect? Hmm. Because, you know, those, those, those things don't think the way we do. <laughs> they certainly do not. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't mind an, another kangaroo. I guess we only have Kangaskhan right now. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, Bufalant and Tauros, so yeah. I think we have room for. I mean, there's a lot of flowers we don't have, like bunny rabbits. There's a million rabbits because we have Baneri and Diggersby and what was Bunnelby? The, Bunnelby, yeah. Oh, you need rabbits. You come to my backyard. I got them. We got a lot of them. Yeah, I got, I got plenty of rabbits in my front yard. Do we, Do have, we have actually Daisy? have like a straight up raccoon? I mean, I know we have like we have Zigzagoon, Zigzagoon, but like Zigzagoon and Centret kind of fill the raccoon. What about area. a red panda? Yeah, we don't Those have a red panda. Red panda is so cute. What? Don't we have Beware? That's not a red panda. That's a bear. Yeah. Uh, Red panda's kind of like a, it looks like a raccoon, but it's cuter. It's way cuter. I mean, what about a lynx? Beware has a raccoon tail, or I don't know. A lynx? Yeah. Lynx is like a house cat on steroids. Yeah, kind of. You know, I'm surprised we don't have like a scarecrow Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. That's because I was trying to think of like inanimate objects that could also be Pokemon. We don't have silverware, do we? <laughs> I don't want silverware. Yeah. And the fork did run away with the spoon, yeah, so, so there's precedent. We don't have a traffic light Pokemon. We don't have a cookie Pokemon. We don't have a, a boneless, skinless chicken breast Pokemon. <laughs> you are just looking at stuff in your room. I'm not. I'm hungry. <laughs> we don't have a chicken. Did I mention that all I've had to eat today was a vegan donut yeah. and a vegan cinnamon roll? We need a vegan nugget Pokemon. 
There you go. Plant-based. Chicken with except they take the e out. Yeah. So it's just c a c h i c k apostrophe n nugget. Chicken nugget. Fake old chicken nugget. But I still think chewing like, gum Pokemon. I would still say there's a lot of room for it. I still would like to see an actual hammerhead shark. There is there one. There you go. Those dudes are cool. Don't we have one? No. A hammerhead shark? No, no, hammerhead. We just have Sharpedo. We have Sharpedo. Yeah, you're thinking Digimon. Yeah, I'm probably thinking Digimon. That, yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking, what's the other one up next to... I always think that the one opposite of Gorbis, Huntail, is somehow hammerheady, but it's not. Nah. No, it's not. It's disappointing. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we still need a Crystal Onyx. That's right. Uh, Will, give us our Pokemon of the Week. Well... You're not going to like this because I just feel like you guys have had it way too easy. Way too easy. Okay. So I have literally made this one impossible. Unless you know some extremely key facts. Oh, Oh, I do. You don't. I don't. Neither one of you is going to get this. This Pokemon is Cole McCune's favorite Pokemon. I have no idea why. I know that every Pokemon is somebody's favorite Pokemon. I just don't understand why this Pokemon is anyone's favorite Pokemon. One thing this Pokemon has going for it is its ability, Intimidate. Intimidate currently lowers opponent's attack stat whenever the Pokemon with Intimidate enters the battlefield. For example, if you have a Mawile with Intimidate as your first Pokemon, it will lower the opponent's attack on the first round. If you withdraw Mawile and then redeploy it, Intimidate will activate again. This week's Pokemon is not Mawile, because Mawile is a really cool Pokemon. (laughs) I did learn today that Intimidate does have an outside-of-battle feature. If the first Pokemon in your party has the Intimidate ability, there is a 50% chance that Pokemon with a level that is 5 or less than your lead Pokemons will not be randomly encountered. This Pokemon is not mono-flying type. There is only one mono-flying type Pokemon, and it is Tornadus. Ash had one of these Pokemon. Between Gen 5 and Gen 6, this Pokemon's special defense went up by 10 points. There is no trivia about this Pokemon. I doubt you could make this Pokemon the star of your party. Who is that Pokemon? You didn't give me enough? I gave you enough. You didn't listen hard enough. I said it's Cole's favorite Pokemon. Oh, God. Is it? Uh, is it Staraptor? I was going to also say Staraptor. Or is it Staraptor? You both got it right, so stop your Yay! moaning and groaning and complaining. Yes, it's Staraptor. I, I think you said between... remembered that was Cole's. Like, I'm like running through because I think he mentioned it once. Well, you said between Gen 4 and Gen 5, and you said Intimidate. And I, was I said like, Gen 5 and Gen 6. Oh, my bad. And I said Intimidate. And I said, I doubt you could make this Pokemon the star of your party. I subliminally put it in your head. Ooh. Oh, I see. I get it. Clever. There's no trivia about Star Raptor. <laughs> I did mention that as well. <laughs> it has an okay shiny. It's uh, brown instead of like gray. Yes, it's brown instead of gray. And it has a blue tip instead of a red tip. Um, it's got a real emo shuffle icon, though. Oh, what's that shuffle icon like? Oh, it's very uh, it's emo. Very yes. emo. It's very hair over one eye with the blood tip, with the blooded highlights. 
Nobody understands Star Raptor. Say about Star Raptor. Okay, what's the Didn't... differences between the male and female? What am I missing? Didn't Ash have one? Um, I did say that. Boy, you really just didn't listen to anything I said. I said Ash had one of these. I kind of like its shiny form a little bit better. Like the white, the white frosted highlights. Very 80s, early 90s. You need to go to the website list of Pokemon with gender differences. Uh, yeah, I don't think it has one. Staravia. Starly. Female's head is less white. Staravia. Female's forehead spot is smaller. Staraptor. Female's forehead spot is smaller. Forehead that li- spot? That little spot that's underneath the emo oh, hairstyle is, is a little smaller. That's a bad. That's bad. That's it? I, can't I blame Masuda. <laughs> I blame Masuda. So he's leaving. Me too. No more terrible so, gender differences. We'll get, we'll get way better gender differences once Masuda's <laughs> out the door. <laughs> Finally. Finally, can get justice. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think that's our episode for you guys. Uh, one more normal episode before Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. We will be doing our mini-series. Um, Will has always gotten off for mini-series because Will is a... Will is the slow poke. He is not a game gobbler. Pokemon I games. not a game gobbler. So Will gets his uh, his time off. He gets to enjoy the Pokemon game on his own time. And then um, in like a week or two, he comes back and tells us how Kakui ruins Alola. Um, Correct. And then, you know, it's worth it. Uh, we, uh, because of the wedding, uh, while Irene will be getting my hand-me-down switch, uh, she probably will not have enough time between work and wedding planning. Um, so we will not be able to do what we did last year with uh, Irene and Micah, which is totally okay. Um, Irene, I still have to use for Alolan vacation, um, so you still will get to hear her voice on Alolan vacation when I can rope her in to that. Um, but uh, Greg will be joining us so, uh, for the mini episodes, so Woo! it'll be Greg and me. It'll just be the two. It'll be the two of us. Just the two of us. Complaining uh, about a Pokemon game, just the two of us. So uh, Greg is also a game gobbler, so I am. we will I gobble together. The hard thing with, with these games is we have to play them as fast as possible, but also have notes so people don't write in and they're like, you completely missed this. And it's like, well, we played 18 hours straight as fast as possible and recorded and edited so you guys can have episodes, but I think it'll be good. So that's the plan. Uh, again, one more episode, normal episode, and then we'll go to, it should be daily episodes, so I don't know how much time will be in between, but if you are a newer listener last year for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and the year before for Sun and Moon, we did uh, daily 30, 20 to 30 minute episodes of like, this is Gym 1, this is Gym 2, this is Gym 3, and the whole point um, is just to talk about our experiences and how we think and feel. Um, now, both Greg and I have played uh red and blue and fire red and leaf green <laughs> spoilers brock is the first gym leader this uh spoilers misty is the second gym leader i didn't know that um so oh dear <laughs> we will be playing through that and uh giving you guys your opinions and of course i will be streaming on twitch as well during this time so it'll be a very very busy time for me but uh uh obviously podcasts will be out and we'll be doing their things, and uh, I'm very excited for it. So, 
almost like Christmas coming early here. Um, with that being said, I uh, this was the end of our episode. Uh, we are oh oh yeah yeah I completely forgot we're like six reviews away from a thousand. Wow, um, which is pretty incredible. I don't there's you know honestly like there's not a lot of podcasts with a thousand reviews. Um, so if you have not reviewed us, uh, the goal was to get to a thousand. By the end of this year, but then I bumped it up and saw uh, said, "Can we get to a thousand before uh, Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee?" So uh, we got like, as this podcast goes up, we have like nine days, ten days before that. So if you haven't, please uh, leave us a review in Apple Podcast. Um, I think Spotify is supposed to be rolling out reviews soon, but I don't think they're live yet. But um, if you do listen on Spotify, there should be a review system coming soon, from what I heard. Um, but thank you for listening, of course. Thank you for making it to the end. Uh, Will is at Wash in the Sink. I am at Dragging a Lake. Greg is at White Wing. Um, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are super effective. Super Emo Bird. Big shout out to the producers of this show, starting with Kevin, Cygnus, Robert, Ivan, Jeff, Pat Matrick, Catherine, and Alex. Thank you so much for your support and supporting It's Super Effective. If you would also like to support It's Super Effective, you can head over to patreon.com slash it's super effective or even easier, isc.cash. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week.